Welcome to the Donna Sebo Show. Donna is an international mental practitioner, psychic, award-winning author, counselor, speaker, teacher, and radio television talk show personality. She brings to the airwaves talented people from around the world who share their insights and experiences with you, the listening audience. Now, let's join Donna. Hello, I'm so delighted you are joining me today because we are going to be talking about a subject matter that I think is extraordinarily important, and that is pain. Now, you may think that this isn't something that is going to affect you very much in your life, but I don't know of anyone on this planet that at one time or another has not experienced it. And in my own personal environment, I have had certain things happen to me in my life, and I have also, as a minister, counselor, and teacher, I have met literally thousands of people who have gone through some horrific things with pain. My guest today, Paul J. Christo, he's a physician that has done something that is and has been long overdue. He has taken his medical knowledge to the best of his capability and the knowledge of many other individuals in alternative therapies and put it into a publication called Aches and Gains. This is called a comprehensive guide to overcoming your pain. That may sound simplistic, but I think you will find that our conversation is going to bring an awareness to you about different options that you or a loved one may have. And this is incredibly important in today's world. We have reached that point where we realize we must open our minds, our scientific research, our understanding to a greater depth regarding pain. Dr. Christo, I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, now you're considered one of the top doctors in the United States, and you are especially knowledgeable about pain management. You're a board-certified pain specialist and anesthesiologist. You're an associate professor in the Division of Pain Medicine at John Hopkins University School of Medicine, And you were honored by the American Society of Pain Educators as Pain Educator of the Year for the work that you're doing with public exposure and giving education via media. In fact, you even have your own blog, which we will let people know about as well. Do you mind if I call you Paul? Sure. Paul, I wanted to ask you a question as to... What, as a doctor, made you choose this environment? In the world today anymore, everybody seems to have to choose a specialty. Why was pain your choice? Well, when I was an intern in internal medicine for a year before doing my anesthesiology training, I worked in an internal medicine clinic where I saw patients with different types of medical problems and learned how to treat them. What I did see though at that time was that I saw a lot of patients who had pain, chronic pain, and I really didn't have the skills or the knowledge to provide good suggestions to ease pain and improve their life. And I I honestly, I felt like my attending doctors, so, you know, my supervisors really didn't have good suggestions either. And I just thought to myself, gosh, 
you know, there are a lot of people who suffer from pain. I'd love to be able to have a skill set to make it better for them. Mm-hmm. You have in this book, Aches and Gains, you have quite a few stories about some very prominent personalities. One of them is Montel Williams. In fact, he has written the foreword in your book, and I remember years ago hearing about Montel and how he suffered from MS. And this man's story about dealing with pain, now he was in the Navy, I believe he was a Navy SEAL, which takes incredible discipline. I mean, this is a man that when it comes to mind over matter, you would think that it would just absolutely be a, you know, right there, by golly, it's in your face stuff, this is the way I handle it. But there is this openness about his disease and how it affected him and what he went through. How did the two of you cross paths? I host a radio show myself on overcoming pain. And at the beginning of that period of time when the show started, I wanted to have Montel on the show to share his story because I knew that he had suffered for many years from the pain of multiple sclerosis and specifically, you know, patients with multiple sclerosis have can have muscle spasms that can be quite painful as well as neuropathic pain, shooting, burning, stabbing pain, for example. And he has both of those. It took me, gosh, I think, Donna, probably a year <laughs> before mm-hmm. I got him on my show, but I finally did and had a very compelling interview with him and learned that the way he reduces his pain and improves his quality of life is through the use of medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And that makes total sense to me. That makes total sense to me because it deals with inflammation, cannabis oil does, and or different aspects of medical marijuana. And that is something we're going to touch on. But You give some statistics in here that are just mind-boggling, that chronic pain affects 116 million U.S. adults, and 40% of people in developing countries. Pain relief is a multi-billion dollar industry, which that is something I knew about. I mean, that is just so true. But the cost, the loss of people being able to work... I've known people with uh, migraine headaches. You have a portion in your book on that. You have a portion in your book on dealing with cancer and and also some other things. And I would like to touch on each one of those as I can. Tell us what chronic pain is. Why pain is good to have on one hand and when it becomes bad. Well, as you mentioned, pain is something that's a natural protective mechanism. If I'm in the kitchen and my hand brushes up against a hot burner, reflexively I move my hand away so I don't damage the skin and the tissue and the muscles. What we've learned, though, in time is that when acute pain doesn't go away, it becomes chronic. And typically we think that that transition from a time standpoint occurs probably around three months, some say six months, but somewhere around three months of persistent pain, you're now looking at chronic pain. From a neurobiological perspective, what's happening in the brain is that 
and this is from brain imaging studies, that that the actually the spinal cord changes and parts of the brain that process pain change as well when pain persists and it becomes a disease in and of itself. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Nobody would expect that statement to be made. Nobody would. And not only that, Donna, but brain imaging has shown us that chronic back pain can cause a loss of gray matter in the brain. And and the gray matter is important because it stores memories and processes information. I mean, no one would have ever imagined that pain could lead to a loss of brain tissue, but it can. If you stop and think about how when people are in pain, if they are very stoic and they suppress that to the degree of not acknowledging it, that could very easily cause a shutdown of some kind in the brain. This is just me and my thinking. There are so many things that you have to become numb to. I know there's been times in my life where I had excruciating pain, and when I finally was able to get to the doctor, the doctor said, I don't understand how you were able to walk around this, but I just shut it away. I put it away. I put it, I said, no, this does not exist. Yes, and I think that you, some people can do that. I mean, I think that it's possible to shut down areas of the brain that process pain. Uh, for the most part, it's diff- very challenging to do that. But mm-hmm. I do think, and I like, you know, your, I like your techniques and your um, philosophy with respect to me- the practice of mental imaging, because I feel like over time, with respect to chronic pain, that, that patients of mine through treatments, and we can talk about different treatments, and there are many different treatments available for chronic pain, but the one that I think that is underutilized is the power of the mind, Mm -hmm. and that is the power that we have in ourselves to create positive images of health and positive images of productivity and pain diminishment, and I think that in and of itself can also make a difference in controlling pain. I agree. You make a statement about four myths, and I was impressed with this because I think this is something people need to understand. Myth number one, pain is not a valid condition. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people, my doctor thinks it's all in my head. Myth, pain medications like morphine always lead to addiction, which is not true. I found your statistics and information on opioids very interesting. When it came to people that were very ill and suffered pain chronically, a myth is pain builds character and is simply a part of life. Suck it up, I guess, is an old-fashioned statement, but that's (laughs) what people do. Right. And then also healthcare professionals, this is a myth, healthcare professionals can easily identify and quantify a patient's pain experience. That is so false. That is so unbelievably false because we cannot feel what somebody else is going through. That's right. So, okay, we've got those myths. They're there. What do we do? I know some people listening to this show might say, oh, Headaches. I have these horrific headaches. I've got a very dear, dear friend. Her headaches blind her. She literally has to shut herself away in a room, and stress brings it on. 
But she has to shut herself away. I guess you call them cluster headaches. But it's awful. It debilitates her sometimes for three to five days. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very. I mean, headaches, low back pain, even arthritis can be extremely debilitating. And I think what you do is you... Um, you don't give up, first of all, and I think I talk about this, too, at the end of the book. But, yes, you do. But, you know, don't give up. There usually is available, some sort of available treatment out there. And I think that what patients of mine have done, and I've seen patients who have seen multiple other practitioners and have not sort of gotten the relief that they need. Uh, and what they tell me, and what I wrote about in the book, too, is that they didn't give up. They talk to other people. They go to the web. Uh, they listen to shows like yours, and they learn about possible treatments. I think seeing a pain specialist is helpful. The primary care doctors are typically on the front line, and they have information about treating pain, but the pain specialists, I think, have a bit more information. And, and what, I, what I value about the sort of a holistic pain specialist is that, and this is what I've tried to do in my own practice, is to offer up not only the traditional therapies, which can be helpful, like medications, mm -hmm. but also injection therapies and integrative approaches like yoga and acupuncture, as well as innovative approaches for pain control. I agree. I think all of these components are very, very, very useful. And not everything works the same way for everyone. The aspect of individualized approaches to medicine are so necessary. And fortunately, in this time frame, we are doing more of that. I want to go back to migraines for just a minute, because in your publication, in the section on migraines, and you've got a number of different sections in your book, so I'm not going to be able to cover them all, obviously, in this conversation we're having. But with women, women seem to get headaches a lot more than men do. And you say with women, many times it's connected with hormones. Now, the aspect, you know, here you have someone that can have a headache. Someone can have a headache because they have got an infection in the body. Uh, they could have gone through brain trauma. They could have a situation where uh, they're having eye problems. There's also, uh, you know, here's this statement about hormones. It could be related to the back. The body is such an incredible living essence mm -hmm. that sometimes things affect people and you almost have to be like a detective asking questions about things that makes people, most people would say, those are dumb questions to ask. Why are you asking me about this? <laughs> I mean, You're right. I think that's a great point. You have to be a detective. You have to take things into your own hands. And so when you go to your primary care doctor or you go to the pain specialist, arm yourself with questions. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that with respect to headaches, you're right, more women than men suffer from them, especially migraine headaches. And yet, I think that many don't realize that we do have some interesting treatments for migraine headache, one of which is Botox or botulinum toxin, which can be quite effective in reducing and preventing chronic migraines from occurring. Now, I have a challenge or a question for you. Botox is a live essence. And that, does they apply it right into that brain center? Well, for migraine headaches, what we do is you have to, it comes in a very 
um, like a little powder, and you put saline into the powder to make it a liquid. And it's from there, what we do is you take small little amounts of it into a syringe and inject small little doses of it into the forehead, into the sides of the head, into the back of the head, and then into the upper back, like the trapezius muscles. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And, I mean, who would ever have imagined that using a toxin could be as effective as it is for pain reduction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also go into how important it is to have good supplementation, vitamin supplementation. And I'm with you on that. I think that if anybody keeps records on, especially women, when, and I say this not to put disrespect for the guys, but let's just say with headaches, many times women are not aware of how important the B vitamins are and other vitamins, and they need to be aware of these things because stress, I think, is a huge trigger for a headache. Yeah. But there are other things that can contribute to it. And again, it it is a symptom, and I think that we're finally looking at the fact we have to get to the root cause of whatever is triggering something. Just making the pain go away is not enough. We have to ask the questions, what is at the core of this? For example, a brain injury. If someone has had a brain injury, you give the story in here about Elvis, which was... I thought, my goodness, why didn't the media come out with this information? It would have helped millions of people understand how important it is to talk about what is going on with your body. His story is so tragic because of multiple concussions. Yeah, exactly. Multiple concussions leading to traumatic brain injury. And we feel that traumatic brain injury can lead to the development of migrating chronic pain, headaches, personality change, mood changes. And that's what we saw in the story of Elvis, actually. Mm-hmm. It was just, I, I read the story about him and I thought, my gracious, this poor man suffered horribly. And yeah. The uh, the malevolent attitude towards the physician that had been treating him, the facts weren't there. The facts are in your book. I mean, and I just said, wow, aches and gains. There's so much that we're getting here that is important to be aware of. It's really tragic to me that we do not find out the facts until long time after something has occurred. And because of what you know, and you being in the medical environment, you were able to have access to this information. And the public had none of this. That's right. And I've tried to write my book in that way to make it very clear understandable for anybody, anybody on the street, not necessarily for physicians or specialists. Which is terrific. It is absolutely terrific because your material will enable people to see they have options to work with. Now, neck pain, joint pain. There are so many individuals. People think, oh, it's when you get old. You're supposed to have this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There's... So much it's coming out in research, and today with computers, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, 
I'm at my review desk almost every day, reviewing Mm -hmm. materials for my program, and my head's down and I'm looking at material. You don't realize how much of a stress or strain is happening with your neck and your shoulders, and then you wonder why maybe you get a headache or your shoulders are burning. You feel like somebody's sticking needles in the muscles. That's when I know it's time to get away from the computer. And posture, how important it is. But there's so much more that can cause joint pain. There is. And what you touched on is something called tech neck or text neck. And we're seeing more and more of that because of the advent of iPhones, iPads, and the fact that a lot of us spend hours and hours each day with our necks tilted downward. And it's taking a toll on the muscles of the neck and if it's done over prolonged periods of time, it may also affect the discs in the neck leading to neck pain. So I, I try to outline maneuvers to help reduce that risk. And if you, or if you do have neck pain from text neck to spend some time during the day, 20 minutes, even less than that, but take frequent breaks, maybe every 20 minutes, stand up, move your neck, do neck rotation, tilting, bending, shoulder rolls. These things can make a difference and it doesn't require medication. Absolutely true. And you go in to those points very, very thoroughly. Radio frequency denervation. Now, I bet you most of my audience has never heard of that word combination. I know I had not. So let's talk about this because back pain is so frequent and so common with people. A lot of it has to do with posture. I think of certain industries, truck drivers, for example. It's notorious among truck drivers yeah. uh, having back pain, being long hours in the same positioning and the jostling of the truck, even if they have an air ride. It's still the body's meant to move, and many people aren't doing that. So let's... Let's talk about this for a minute, because this radio frequency denervation, that is something I don't think many people, like I said, have even heard of those words, much less know what it is. This can be a very effective treatment for low back pain, for neck pain, if the pain is caused by arthritis or enlargement of the joints in the low back or the neck, for example. What we do here is... Before we do the denervation procedure, we do uh, nerve blocks. So there are small little nerves that provide sensation to these joints, say in the low back, for example. Well, under x-ray guidance, you can block those small little nerves with a needle and determine if a patient's pain reduces. And if it does, and it's significant, then the radiofrequency denervation follows. And that's essentially think of it as heat therapy. It's a targeted uh, needle that's placed along a small little nerve or nerves in the back, heats the nerve up, inactivates it, and reduces pain. Rejuvenative treatments are coming about. I am getting more and more material as time goes by about how using stem cells from one's own body can rejuvenate cartilage, and there's other components that you discuss at length in the book here. 
Again, I don't think most people, they know about stem cell, but the little bit of stuff they get through media, they the information, so much of it is wrong. And there are so many myths about this. And by golly, people through blood and or use of fatty tissue from one's own body, they're able to extract stem cells that are being put into many areas of joints, etc. And the cartilage, etc. is growing back. Mm-hmm. Now, this is amazing. When you think about it, your own body cell tissue is being used to rejuvenate areas that are worn. This is incredibly positive because any kind of surgery that puts in an artificial unit, if you can bypass that, that's great. But this is something that's fairly new on the scene, isn't it? It's very new. It's extremely exciting, but it is new, along with platelet-rich plasma therapy, known as PRP. Uh, you know, I think that what's, what we've seen happen with stem cell therapy and with platelet-rich plasma therapy is that we've got the practice in, in advance of the science. So there is science that is available that, that tells us, for example, that stem cell therapy can be useful, for example, for uh, knee osteoarthritis. And you're right. I mean, there are reports of patients who've had stem cells injected into his or her knee and that over the course of time, a degenerated um, knee or articular cartilage or meniscus in the knee regenerates. It's pretty fascinating, and I think the potential is huge. I just don't think yet that we have a lot of high-quality data to support its use yet. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And all of that takes time. But in the interim, there are those that are saying, let's get the data. You can't get the data without trying to develop something. So you've just got that balancing act that's going on. Glucosamine and chondroitin. Now, these are two supplements that people can take. And in Europe, they have shown that it reduces osteoarthritis symptoms. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Now, it's not a magic bullet, but it enables the body to help itself heal, doesn't it? It does. Great point. These are, in the United States, sold as supplements, and therefore the doses typically are a little bit lower than they are in Europe, glucosamine and chondroitin. But if you look at the data on both of those substances, they can be quite useful in reducing osteoarthritic symptoms because they help lubricate the joints, and that's their value. Mm-hmm. You go into arthritis, you talk about autoimmune diseases that can strike at any time, and it is due to inflammation and... Uh, gout is something you bring up. I know there's a member of my family that has been going through that, and it just drives them nuts. It's so painful. Like, you know, and they say, oh, this stuff about uric acid is a bunch of baloney. I said, no, it is not a bunch of baloney. <laughs> you need to pay attention to this. Nah, 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 nah. Well, I, you know, it's, I, I just find your information is absolutely wonderful, but something I want to touch on that is very, very important and that is cannabis. And mm-hmm. you go into this, and I had a meeting, it was about two weeks ago, with a medical professional that is actually doing research with this, and it was especially notable as a benefit for people suffering from cancer. 
and he had three different applications. There was the topical application, a cream. There was an oil that was all by itself that you'd spray on an area that was in extreme discomfort. And then also a tincture, which you'd only take one drop a day. And there were different levels to the tincture mixtures, one through six. I was absolutely amazed at the relief that it gave to some people that were having major problems with pain in their knees and their feet. He said, try it. Don't just take my word for it. Just try it. And again, it was the relief of the inflammation. He said, the cannabis oil relieves the inflammation and allows the body to heal. This is something I'd like for us to talk about because there is so much commentary regarding cannabis that is just out of sight. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand that this has certain components in it that actually is very, very helpful, not just to the cancer patient, but also in dealing with pain. Exactly right. I think that we may see, and we probably already are seeing, more and more patients using cannabis compared to opioids, given Mm -hmm. what we've seen with respect to the side effects and the complications and deaths related to opioids. Marijuana or medical marijuana has a lot, most of the data, according to my understanding, related to the treatment of pain with medical marijuana relates to cancer pain, as you mentioned, as well as neuropathic pain from multiple sclerosis, HIV, and trauma. But there's been, there have been studies on its value for fibromyalgia and arthritis as well. I think that this is so very important. This is important because people need to understand this is not going to cause addiction. It is, it is not something that is going to, if you are in fear of becoming addicted, this, is, this isn't necessarily going to have that effect on you. This is the medicinal aspect. To overcome this fear and apprehension, what would you recommend people do? I think that first and foremost is to really realize that as medical practitioners and physicians, we don't yet know, though, exactly how to recommend its use. Because you brought up earlier that your friend is using it in different ways. We're not exactly sure, for example, for HIV-related nerve pain, should you smoke it? Should you eat it? Should you spray it in your mouth? Should you use a tincture? We're not sure yet. And that's why we need more research on specific forms of medical marijuana for pain relief. I think most patients are smoking it and deriving relief that way. I think that you have to be aware, too, that There have been patients, and there are patients, who can become dependent on medical marijuana. But what's much safer about medical marijuana compared to opioids is that you're not going to overdose on it and die. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I find that this is such a fascinating area. And because of stories like that of a child who was having, you know, major seizures 
and they somehow found out about medical marijuana, and they were in a state where it was not legal to have it, but they had managed to get it for the child, and those seizures ceased. And then they said that we're going to move to Colorado because Mm -hmm. this is enabling our child to have a normal life. And I just, you know, these types of stories incline people to think this is a miracle drug of some kind, but cannabis has been used throughout the centuries as a medical, um, a medicinal property. You also go into the fact about diet and exercise, and we hear about this frequently, but it really does make a difference. And I think it also makes a difference because it can actually enhance the pain-relieving properties of certain medicinal components that might be given to someone. This is hard for people to collate in their head. Why would exercise or diet make a difference? But it does, doesn't it? It definitely does. And it's hard for patients of mine to make that connection as well, especially when you've been in pain for five years and someone like me suggests that you change your diet for pain control. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to process. But I will tell you this, that If you can make changes, that is, shift from foods that promote inflammation to foods that are anti-inflammatory, it can help. And the foods that are inflammatory are foods that are fried, for example, meats, even chicken. I mean, these things are okay to eat off and on, but if you can shift your diet to more plant-based foods, fish, for example, berries, dark cherries, it over time, and I'm saying, you know, months can make a difference in your pain. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and that's where I think individualized medicine comes into play. I think that when and it's tough for a doctor. Once you get out of medical school, you are constantly going to have patients around you. I I don't ever see the human race being without some ailment of one kind or another. This is something where you're so engaged in this. I'd like to ask you a question professionally. How are you able to sort of stay up to par? Because you even go into alternative medicine, like biofeedback. You go into information about the mind over matter positioning, hypnosis. You go into much of the Eastern Uh, medicinal practices that have been done for thousands of years. Now, many Western physicians just recoil in horror if you mention (laughs) chiropractic or if you mention acupuncture or hypnosis. Are you crazy? (laughs) And it's, it's so wonderful. It's so refreshing. How do you keep up with this? Well, I think that these are important elements of life. And I have found that uh, reading about them myself, uh, having patients report to me their value, having experienced uh, or done them myself, has helped open my mind to their importance. And as a result of that, I feel like I want to convey that to patients that I see. Again, I think traditional Western medicine is important. Don't ignore that, but at the same time, balance that with Eastern techniques that can also bring healing to your life, and improve the quality of your life. I agree. You even bring up Jin Shin Jitsu. And yeah. I've done interviews with people that have used these techniques that have 
done phenomenal jobs of enabling people to be without pain, to enjoy a richness of wellness that they might not have been able to enjoy otherwise. Dr. Christo, it has just been a joy chatting with you today. Your book, Aches and Gains, A Comprehensive Guide to Overcoming Your Pain. We barely scratched the surface here, and I do want to say being able as a layperson to read the information, the way I feel about this book is that you don't talk down in your communication with people. And I think that that's so important because in today's world, as you mentioned at the beginning, a lot of people are on the web. They're investigating Mm -hmm. various things and they're wanting to know things. So they're curious. They're going into doctor's offices and saying, what about this? What about that? Right. And sometimes that's very frustrating to doctors. Now, you have a blog. I want to be sure that we give out that information. Your website is paulchristomd.com, and Christo is C-H-R-I-S-T-O. Tell us about your blog. Well, uh, the blog focuses on different types of pain and up-and-coming treatments or current treatments that can be the most effective. Well, I think this is marvelous. I want to thank you for giving me this extra time. I know your schedule is a busy one. It has been a delight having you as a guest. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and information, Aches and Gains, A Comprehensive Guide to Overcoming Your Pain. My guest again was Dr. Paul Christo, MD. Again, thank you for being with me today, Doctor. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Donna Sebo here, and we are going to be taking a break for just a moment, and I'll be right back with you. You're listening to The Donna Sebo Show. If you'd like to have an opportunity to be featured on this program or Warriors for Peace heard Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, please send a copy of your publication along with your contact information to The Donna Sebo Show, Post Office Box 97272, Lakewood, Washington, 98497. Please allow six to eight weeks for review of the publication. Again, the mailing address is Post Office Box 97272. Lakewood, Washington, 98497. Donna Sebo here. The telephone line is now open, 253-582-5597, if you would like to chat with me. Let me light up your life with a little bit of intuitive insight, 253-582-5597. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with another doctor, Dr. James Terrace, but his story is going to be a little bit different. Bullets two bandages. Mm-hmm. This is about being a part of the Israeli Defense Force. Yes. Dr. Terrace is going to be telling us what it was like for him as, a, as an Israeli soldier. Perceptual, intelligent, love is the power. Here's smiling at you how to thrive your childhood now that you're an adult and so much more. The newsletter has already been put out, but if you would like to read it, you can go to my website, DelphiInternational.com, and you can find it there. Also, know that whether you go to my website, MrsSiebo'sClassics.com, which highlights and shows my award-winning children's books and other publications in ebook form as well as in hardback, then you can also sign up for the newsletter that will give you information that is inspiring every month on the first of every month. That's when it goes out. And sometimes for those of you that get your newsletter on your iPad, etc., 
certain links may not activate. So all you have to do is go into my website, and you'll find those links right there. They will work very, very nicely. Okay, 253-582-5597. I wanted to share some information with you because the doctor had done such a marvelous job in talking about different people like Patrick Swayze, who had pancreatic cancer. I mentioned Elvis Presley. And I wanted to touch on Elvis a little bit. Also, President Kennedy. So many things are not discussed. It's as if the media only wants the hot spots, whatever is negative, to come out. But the doctor that was taken to task and was found to be innocent, Dr. Nick was his name, who treated Elvis. Do you know that Elvis actually was getting other medications that Dr. Nick didn't even know he had? He was getting them from other doctors, two other doctors from other parts of the country. Now, these doctors did not communicate with each other. My question is, why not? And there was a nurse, believe it or not, Elvis had been so ill the last three years of his life, who was there on the premises, keeping an eye on him, making sure that she knew exactly what medications he was being given. And she was caring for him around the clock. She was on call 24 hours a day. But one of the things that came out in the investigation about his death, he's still loved by millions, but I think it's important for us to understand that they found that there was a probable genetic defect in a liver enzyme. Now, why would that be significant? That lack of that particular enzyme controlled the metabolism of certain drugs. And because of this condition, his body couldn't handle drugs like codeine in the proper way. The codeine actually would become toxic in his system. And he had been to see a dentist that not knowing this, you know, when you go into the doctor and they ask you, do you have reactions to medicines? This is an important question, and you need to answer it because you should not be given things if you have a reaction to them. And that's what happened with Elvis. And he didn't really die from the overdose of drugs. He had a seizure. Mm -hmm. Had a seizure. There is so much information we do not know about, just like President Kennedy He was in pain for all, just about all of his life. After World War II, the chronic pain because of the injuries that he got during that time, he went through back surgery that didn't really have him, help him. But you know what they found out? And again, we have to keep in mind, many times we cannot find out about certain conditions until after a person dies. Now, this is a truth. That's why having an autopsy, doing an examination, or submitting it for that is so very important. And I know some people, because of certain religious practices, they don't want to have it done. But it is so important to find out about certain things. They believe that Kennedy had severe spastic colitis. 
Who would have guessed? Well, at that time, when he was alive, they didn't know very much about colitis. They really didn't know it. They think, they feel very strongly that he was born with an autoimmune disease known as Schmidt's syndrome. It's an autoimmune polyglandular syndrome type 2. Now, why is this significant? This particular syndrome, Schmidt's syndrome, causes osteoporosis, nerve pain, arthritic pain, muscular pain, and colitis. So, you see, your body, your digestive tract is extremely important. What you put into your body is important, whether it's food, supplements, and how you're able to absorb the nutrients is extremely important. Diet, when we were talking about it earlier, is important because your body, dependent, it could be your blood type, it could be genetic patternings, your body may not do well with certain foods. And fortunately, because of DNA research and development, we are realizing all of these components have a big effect on us. Big effect on us. And if you've known of anybody with brain trauma, he has a significant portion on brain trauma and Elvis Presley. Three brain concussions. Look at all that's going on in sports and the information that's coming out about various physical conditions, seizures, etc., that are being brought on because of, you know, active sports players with heads in, head injuries. And the helmets aren't necessarily protecting them. All of this is important. There's so much good information in this book, Aches and Gains. I recommend it highly. I really do. I think we need to be so much more aware of ourselves. And you know, we are very fortunate today because of our capacity to be able to communicate. When we learn of something, we should share it. The reason being is that we have the opportunity, because of the Internet, because of having access to this, that we may be able to help a loved one or a friend. It makes all the difference in the world. There is so much research going on on this planet because of many, many, many dedicated people that we will never hear about. We don't hear about them, but they're out there. They're basically nameless, but they are out there wanting our world to be a better one. These are things you need to know about. And I like to think that in my way, I'm, I'm just one voice in a very, very big world. But if what I can share with you makes you aware of your options, then by golly, I think I'm doing my job. Donna Sebo here. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Warriors for Peace is a weekly broadcast hosted by Donna Sebo. Leaders from all walks of life and professions from around the world, including those who have served to protect one of our most priceless gifts of life, freedom, speak to the issues of the day. Join us Wednesdays, 11 a.m. to noon, Pacific Time. Today is a doubleheader. Yes, I'm going to be talking with Ted Haynes and Grace Vandewert about the a very special place in Oregon. This is a ranch that is over 100 years old. And when I started reading the material on this, I thought, 
This is so much a part of American history. And it is so important to us today to understand what some of our ancestors did, not all that long ago, that enabled them actually to have healthy lives in many respects and to have long lives. Members of her family, many of them lived to be close to 100. Why was that? A lot of particulars we will be discussing. But more than anything else, it's a little bit of a dip into a segment of country that is called Oregon, Central Oregon, and the history about what it took to develop it. And believe it or not, it's not that long ago. And one of the members of the Vandevert family, Grace, has the memory of it because she's lived it. She's lived it. So I hope you'll join me from 11 until noon. And remember, if you miss a show, don't worry about it. You're going to be able to hear the show later on by going into the archives. Those archives are available to you 24-7. And it's our pleasure to provide the listening opportunity with these wonderful, wonderful guests that I have. Because, you know, There's no way you are ever, ever going to know it all. And aren't you glad that you're able to have access to programming like this? The programming is very eclectic. And it really is meant to inform, entertain to a degree, but also make you aware of the fact that there's a lot for you to explore. A lot for you to explore. Donna Sebo here, 253-582-5597. Give me a buzz if you would like to chat. The holiday season is past. We're in a brand new year. And there are certain things that happen in life that we don't wish on anybody. And one of them is identity theft. During the holiday season, many, many people are affected by this. We have the hackers, we have individuals that just delight in stealing whatever information they can so they can have access to your money, to your credit. And one of these individuals that got hit pretty hard was Shahan Nene. And she said she was on a trip took her to Finland, and she just was having a wonderful time over there. It was a family vacation. She got home. She lived in California, and she's going through all of her mail, and she sees this letter from the IRS, and she's all excited. She's, oh, goody, I've gotten my refund early. But that wasn't it at all. What the letter was all about was saying the identity theft claim had been received, and they had opened a case. She had never, ever filed a claim. So what she did immediately, she called the IRS, found out that someone had filed a return in her name in the month of January. That's right, the first month of the year. It was filed two months in advance of when she usually files. The individual that did this created a direct deposit account with no name specified, had filed a change of address form so that the mail would be redirected to an old address of hers. Now, there was an investigation unit at the IRS that had flagged the return as fraudulent. 
a $1,400 refund, $1,400 refund was still sent to the direct deposit account with no name attached to it. When she got her real return, when her return that she had filed got there in March, they realized that identity theft had occurred and began sending her letters regarding her about this theft and delay of refund. All of those letters had been sent to her old address and then stolen. So she said, I had a mess on my hands. She said she had to file a form requesting that the IRS trace the refund to see who had received it. And she talked to someone at the IRS. Apparently, they're having more and more of these situations occur. And they said she needed to call the Federal Trade Commission, the Social Security office, her bank, her tax preparer, and at least one of the credit bureaus to alert them about what had happened. She got a special PIN number to put on her returns going forward, indicating that she had experienced identity theft. Now, she ended up getting her $1,400 refund months later. They never found the crooks. Remember, there was no name attached to the refund. She said she is now very careful about shredding her mail. She checks her credit report regularly, and she's very careful about any personal information that is put out. She said at doctor's offices, she will not write her social security number on any forms. Whenever she mails anything to the IRS, she sends it by certified mail. She said, what a shame that this occurred because the taxpayers paid a criminal $1,400. And that's something that we need to remember now, here are some tips. Uh, they say when you get pre-approved credit offers, shred them. Don't even consider that. Uh, you don't, you know, they say that four, the Federal Trade Commission said that over 400,000 Americans have had their identities stolen. That's astronomical. There was a situation in June of 2016 that occurred, there was a postal carrier who was robbed at gunpoint in Rancho Cordova, California. They were able to catch the robber. His name was Juan Carlos Maldonado. He was a part of a ring of thieves. They stole about 800 pieces of mail, and the thieves went through the mail looking for personal information so they could access bank accounts and open credit cards. Now, he's in prison. But regardless, if you want to stop the credit card offers, you need to be aware of a number. And that is 888-5-OPT-OUT, O-P-T-O-U-T. And financial institutions will remove you from their mailing list. I am going to do that. There isn't a week that goes by that I don't get three to five submissions for new credit. And if you want to avoid having anybody having access to your credit report, you can put a freeze on it. No one will be able to take out a loan or a credit card in your name. Of course, that means you, too. 
So if you find you're wanting to apply for a credit line, whether it's a mortgage, a home equity line, or a store credit card, you have to unfreeze your credit file. And it'll cost you anywhere from 5 to $10 per freeze and unfreeze through Experian and TransUnion, two of the biggest three credit bureaus. But it's free for life through Equifax. And Equifax made this concession because, that's right, they got hacked big time. Their data system was breached, and this is not uh, something to be taken lightly. Also... You can set up a fraud alert with one of the credit bureaus, and this will be a notice on your file that tells any lender to contact you before approving any applications for new credit. It's free, and when you place it with one bureau, it'll notify the others to do the same. Now, for maximum protection, and this comes from Consumer Reports, it recommends using both a credit freeze and a fraud alert. Two very significant steps that you can take. I thought that that was important to share because I know some people that have been affected by it. I was hacked about four years ago, and it was really good the way it was done. However, I had been doing uh, transactions with the banks online, and somehow or another they managed to have access to that, even though it was secured by the bank. So this is something you really need to pay attention to. Also, last but not least, don't pay with a debit card. That's right. If you use a debit card for online shopping, you're up, you're so vulnerable online with that debit card, it is not even funny. You know, if your credit card is hacked, you owe zero dollars on the fraud. But if your debit card gets hacked, Money is drained from your account, and you may not even be aware of it unless you get overdraft notice from the bank, which may come in days after the effect. So be aware. That debit card, don't use it online. Donna Sebo here. I know we are just about out of time. Won't you join me for Warriors for Peace? We are going to be talking about a piece of American history that I think you will find quite interesting. And more than that, you'll realize that our world today, as we notice, as we know it, is truly amazing. Because it wasn't that long ago that electricity was not available to many, many people, nor was telephone service. That's right. It's it's something that when you think about what's going on today and all of this that allows me to communicate with you, it was a very short period of time ago when this was a dream and was not even considered a possibility. And when it did come about, it was so expensive that few people could afford it. Look at where we are today. That came about because of innovation. Remember always that you're the master of your fate. You're the captain of your soul. I say this at the end of each program because to me, it is a reality. What are you going to do with your life, your mind, your attitudes? How can you educate yourself and make your life richer? And by doing that, enrich the lives of the people around you. Well, 
That just means you keep on learning. Donna Sebo here. I'll be with you in a little bit over an hour. Won't you join me on Warriors for Peace? Love you, Donna. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Donna Sebo Show. We're delighted that you were able to join us and invite you to tell your friends and family about the program. Have a wonderful day.